Hey, I'm Steph. I'm Alex. And this is Not Today. And we're live. We are. Hello. Hello. How are you feeling? I'm feeling great. Good. I'm ready for this episode. Me too. The tagline seems intense. It does. It is intense. But it's a hell of a story and a hell of a woman, I will say. Okay. I like that because, I mean, not that every story has to have, you know, a great redemption arc to be a good story, but it it does always leave you feeling a little bit better. Absolutely. Rather than like, oh, well, you know. Yeah. And then their life sucked. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. No, that's not this story. Um, Cool. Katie Piper is a boss and she is just awesome. Like I've been looking at her Instagram and stuff and she's really cool. I know you don't know anything about her right now, so I can can tell you about her if you want. (laughs) Tell me about her. I mean, I'm excited to meet her in this strange way. Hear her story? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, I guess we can just jump right in. Do we need to talk about our lives? I mean, we had Thanksgiving. No, we don't have to talk about you our know, lives. You know, we ate can, food. We can do the good thing later. Okay. Yeah. So I guess let's just jump in. Both feet. Okay. Katie Piper was born on October 12th, 1983 in Andover, Hampshire to David and Diane Piper and attended Harrowway School and Portway Junior School as a child. She has an elder brother, Paul, and a younger sister, Susie. She had a very happy childhood. She grew up in a small village. She was a tomboy growing up. She said that she had a dreadful haircut, a bowl haircut. Her dad was the local barber and her mom was the teacher. I'm sorry, your dad's the local barber and you have a bowl cut as a girl? A little, yeah, like a little girl with like bangs and a bowl cut. Did she want that? I don't know, she was a little kid. It wasn't up Fine if she wanted that, but like... Come on, dude. You're the town barber. You can't do a little better than a bowl cut. Come on. Don't do your daughter like that. Anyway, she didn't love it. Her mom was also a teacher in the town. So she said, either you had a haircut from my dad or a detention from my mother. So I guess it was a very small community. Everyone knew each other. I think I would rather take the detention over the bowl cut. (laughs) You know? You know, that's fair. Katie may have been getting detentions herself because when she became a teenager, her rebellious side came out. She yearned to get out of her small town and live in the big city. She snuck out with her friends, she smoked and drank, dyed her hair, and pierced her own nose and ears. But overall, she was a good kid. She said, it was innocent. I never had any real pain or trauma at all growing up. My mom and dad were invested in us. They weren't about big ambitions, but about independence and making your own way in life. After leaving grade school, Katie attended a tech college where she trained as a beautician to be like her father. She got a job at her local grocery store on weekends and nights during college, and she wasn't extremely academic, not because she wasn't smart, but more so because she wasn't interested. She was way more interested in going out and boyfriends. She was also very interested in fashion and beauty. Katie's life was kind of built around her looks. She was a very conventionally attractive young woman. She was thin, had blonde hair, and a pretty face, and everyone around her agreed. Even if she went somewhere new and didn't know anyone, someone would approach her and tell her how beautiful she was. And when she heard that, she would agree. She knew she was beautiful. I just can't imagine having that experience at all whatsoever. Yeah, to just have it be normal for someone to just come up to you and be like, oh, you're so beautiful. 
I just can't imagine like, oh, you're very beautiful. And then I would agree with the person <laughs> and just not something I would do. Oh, I love the confidence. It's, it's me too. Good. Just saying you're almost like a celebrity. <laughs> kind of. Yeah. Hey, you're beautiful. Thank you. No but problem. nobody else will tell me that. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, it doesn't matter. I'll tell you're you like, that. hey, to just, yeah, did you just have a stranger? Like you don't know? I don't know. That's wild. I mean, I, I feel like it's not so uncommon for that to happen to women. People yeah, get like hit on and saying. stuff. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. But it's not going to happen for me. Okay. After the grocery store, she worked in a private health club as a beautician, mainly doing massages and manicures and pedicures. And she did that for a few years before she set up her own business, taking clients in their own homes. At the same time, she went back to school in the evenings to study to teach the anatomy and physiology side of beauty therapy. At the time, she was only 19 to 20 years old, which meant she was too young to become a teacher at a tech college. So that's when Katie decided she'd pursue a different life and move to London, which was something she always dreamed of. In 2008, 24-year-old Katie Piper was living in London in a five-bedroom house with roommates who were all aspiring actors, dancers, and models. So she's a businesswoman. Yeah, totally. Hell yeah. At 19? Yeah. That's impressive. It is. But when she moved to London and had roommates that were all actors and models and dancers, she began her career as a model and pursuing a career as a TV presenter. She really enjoyed being on TV. She worked on a TV program that sold solar panel lights. She was on a quiz show until four in the morning sometimes, furniture catalogs and advertisements. And in her modeling career, she was featured in national newspapers, and she even won the runner-up of the 2006 Miss Winchester beauty pageant. She enjoyed the variety and the excitement of every day being different and not knowing where her career would go, but just hoping for success. Also, she was making more money than she ever had before. Katie felt like she was finally pursuing her dreams and was extremely excited and passionate about what she did. And she was having a lot of fun. In Katie's line of work, there was a lot of partying to be done, in her words. She said every Monday through Thursday, her friends would go out clubbing, drinking, and eating. And she said she's always been a real people person. She loved her life and glamorous things. In March of 2008, Katie had just begun seeing a new boyfriend, 33-year-old Danny Lynch. Danny was a martial arts enthusiast and had been following Kate's modeling career and had found her on Facebook to ask her out. Really? So he was kind of already a fan. What year is this? 2008. Okay, so this is less creepy then. Or is it more creepy then than now? I don't think it's more creepy. I think it's just slightly weird. But Katie didn't find it to be weird. And hey, if you were a normal guy, shoot your shot. Shoot your shot. Message the girl that you think is pretty and ask her out. What's the worst that can happen? She says no. As long as you're being respectful, it's a good move. Yeah, I don't know. I guess it sounds like he was. But he like found her online, followed her, and then messaged her. Oh, yeah. I'm not saying that Danny Lynch is a good guy. Okay, so this is the beginning of... The bad stuff. The bad. Correct. In fact, Danny Lynch was a terrible person, so... Oh, fuck. There's that. It's just like, you just, you never really know. No, you don't. Yeah. I mean, you know over time, but... Well, yeah, yeah. but unfortunately for Katie, she didn't really have the luxury of time with this relationship. Things went downhill very, very quickly. The two first met in person in Reading, Berkshire, where Katie had been working, and initially, she was pleased with their relationship. Katie thought Danny was really cute, and after their second date, Danny told Kate that he loved her. 
too early way too early too early red flag okay so if we're thinking about this logically mm-hmm. you've been on two dates yep how much time have you spent with that person a couple hours at most and then you love them that's what he said and how did she react she, she like ran out of the bar she probably said <laughs> thank you <laughs> you know it's just always so awkward if it you don't say it back yeah super awkward danny told her he didn't want her to go and Katie found it really sweet and nice. She enjoyed how smitten he seemed to be with her. So she didn't see this as a blaring red flag. She was like, oh, he really likes me. And I get it, you know? Yeah, if he's and a good looking guy. He's very guy, infatuated, you know? yeah. But their relationship grew very quickly from there. And Danny began asking to see Katie every single day. Katie's friends would joke with her that Danny was her number one fan. And they found his behavior to be a bit strange. And Katie soon learned that her friends may have been right, because quickly from there, Danny started demanding Katie not spend so much time with her friends. He was very intense about him wanting to be with her every day. Katie had only been dating Danny at that point for two weeks. And after a night out together in London, the couple decided they would spend the night in a hotel in Bayswater, London. In the hotel, Danny told her that she wasn't actually all that in the flesh meaning she wasn't as pretty in person as she was in her photos. You fucking douche. Yeah, I mean, that's just a very weird comment to make. And Katie kind of laughed when he said that because she assumed that he was joking. She knew how beautiful she was, and she knew that he had been a fan of hers. (laughs) Yeah, that's so funny. Yeah, it's It's just like you literally kind of stalked her. Yeah, it's just another red flag. He's just trying to tear her down. It's gross. She and Danny went back to their room since she was tired after a long night out, and she kissed him goodnight, but when she didn't want anything more, Danny took that as an insult. He became extremely aggressive and began threatening Katie. He was really angry and began swearing at her and told her she couldn't reject him like that. Who does she think she is? And he said that she couldn't break up with him that easily. That night, Katie faced hours of physical and sexual abuse. She was terrified for her life because she didn't know how he could be that aggressive and abusive to her and then let her live. He threatened to cut her with a razor and hang her, and he beat her and stabbed her several times in the arms. She thought he was going to kill her in that hotel room. But after a night of abuse, Katie finally convinced Danny that they could still be a couple and stay together, so the two left the hotel together. After getting back to her flat without Danny, Katie chose not to call the police. She didn't know what she would even say to them. Hi, I willingly went to a hotel with my boyfriend who then attacked me. But yeah, that is exactly what she should have said to them or could have said to them. But in the back of her mind, Katie heard Danny's threats to her. If she called the police or told anyone, he was going to kill her. Two days later, Katie still hadn't left her flat or talked to anyone. Danny called nonstop and sent numerous Facebook messages. Katie messaged him back saying she wanted nothing to do with him, and she was terrified of him. He had tried to kill her, and she hoped that she was never alone with him again. Does he know where she lives? He does, yeah. But Danny blamed his behavior that night on the steroids that he had taken. He said, quote, I was foolish to try steroids to repair my arms quicker, and I wasn't even in the right frame of mind to take them. I will show you one day, Katie. Maybe it's years to come, but there will be a time when I prove to you that I'm genuine. I really believe that what we have will never be matched. We are made for each other. And that just continued on. No, but absolutely not. Absolutely not. He continually insisted that she leave her flat that day to read his emails that he had sent her at the local internet cafe. 
She had been on the phone with him that day for around four to five hours at that point, with him just begging her to leave her house and to give him another chance. Finally, at 5.40 p.m., Katie agreed to leave her flat to check Danny's messages. One minute after she left her apartment, Danny called her once again and asked her where she was. She told him she was just outside of her flat, and he asked what was she wearing. What Katie didn't know was that a 19-year-old man named Stefan Sylvester had been pacing up and down her street, waiting for her to finally come outside. Just as she was outside her home, a man in a hoodie began walking toward her. Katie really noticed him because his arms had been stretched out in front of him with his elbows locked forward, and he was holding a coffee cup with both hands. Super weird. Super weird. Just arm, both arms extended, holding onto this cup. Yeah, out in front of him. And Katie's first instinct was that this young man had been begging. So she turned her head and began reaching into her bag to grab some money for him. It was broad daylight and in a very public place during the busiest time of day, rush hour. So Katie had no reason to suspect anything sinister was going on. But as she reached in her bag to grab money, the man approached her until he was about a foot away from her, and all at once he threw the contents of his coffee cup all over Katie's face and chest. And it hadn't been coffee. Inside the cup was sulfuric acid. The acid had hit the right side of her face first, and then spread across the entire thing and then down her chest. It felt as if something was eating through her. Instantly, Katie knew that Danny was responsible for the attack. And Danny stayed on the phone with her the entire time, listening to the attack and her screams. What a sick person. Isn't that such a terrifying detail? That he was just on the phone listening to her attack? I mean, what kind of crazy is this? This is like next level. It's pure evil. Two weeks? Two weeks. And she just didn't want to have sex with him one night. Yes, and then he... Assaulted her. And then he, ta he takes this as an insult. So much that he gets somebody else to throw acid in her face. He calls a hit on her, basically. Yeah. Like, he he apparently had been saying that he was going to destroy her face. Like, those were some of the threats that he had been saying to her because she was so beautiful. And he was immediately on that date already trying to tear her down. It was a control thing, I'm sure. But when she, quote unquote, rejected him and he took it as an insult, he was like, okay, I'm going to hurt her in the way that I know will hurt her most, and I'm going to destroy her face. So he had someone throw acid on her. That would never even cross my mind one time, even in like a hypothetical situation. This is horrifying. Katie immediately ran into her local cafe screaming for help. She didn't know exactly what had happened, but she could feel her face burning off and her vision deteriorated. An ambulance was called for her and she was rushed to Chelsea and Westminster Hospital, where her treatment was led by plastic surgeon Muhammad Ali Jawad. This whole time, I'm thinking, just put soap on your face. Put it all over your face. So actually something that you are supposed to do for like really intense burns and acid is you're supposed to run whatever part of your body has been hit underwater for like at least 15 minutes. Yeah, that, but I'm thinking like... If it's, I guess you can't know if it's acid or a base. But she had no idea. She had no idea. But I guess if it is acid, like soap is a base, so it will like neutralize it. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. But yeah, something that I read online was just like run your face under water for 15 that, minutes or something, at least like minimum 15 minutes. That would work too. Yeah. And that's diluting it. Yeah. And that was, uh, we were talking about this before the episode started, but we did an episode about a woman named Donna Vulin 
yeah. on Patreon, who similarly was set on fire in a really you know terrible attack just like this and she ran her body under cold water for you know the entire time that the ambulance was arriving and that i think really helped her burns i don't know if that was done for her in this cafe there's like cctv footage and it looked like she was bending over a sink but i don't know exactly how that was handled in a cafe you know there were like yeah i mean what are you gonna do at a cafe they don't know what's going on yeah it's weird that like the best thing for her would have been to just get in the shower yeah, it's it's kind of interesting. It's like the weird thing is she was trying to be nice to this person. Yeah, just she was nothing but nice. Reaching into her bag to give, to give money. Right. It's just such a shock. Like you don't know what to do. No, of course not. And she had yeah, she had no idea what was on her face. All she knew was that her skin was melting off and her vision had gone and she's panicking because it's extremely painful. So, yeah, I mean even if she was underwater for a certain amount of time, like it's not going to help. A lot like it's gonna minimize damage in some regard but like her face is burning when katie's mother found out about the attack she asked what had been burned and she was told that it was her daughter's face which was of course devastating to hear and she hoped so much that it hadn't actually been her face because if it had that would mean an end to katie's dreams when david and diane made it to the hospital they were shocked by their daughter's appearance her face was gone She was completely unrecognizable. Her face was orange and black and bloody, and she had tubes coming out of her mouth, and her tongue was too swollen to stay in her mouth, and her eyes were swollen shut. The acid, some of which Katie had swallowed, had burnt through all the layers of her skin on her face. She had fourth-degree burns and was blind in her left eye. The acid also burnt through her throat, leaving her unable to swallow or eat. She had to be fed through a tube into her stomach and over time needed regular operations to widen her esophagus. She spent seven weeks in the burns unit at Chelsea and Westminster Hospital, unable to do anything for herself. She was put into an induced coma and spent 12 days in the ICU. Oh my God. It was extreme. 12 days? That's a long time in the ICU. Yeah. And she was put in an induced coma. Like this was a serious attack. She could have died. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I I don't know. I got, I don't know why I thought this, but I you know I, I just thought it would be a surface thing. I didn't know it would be so life threatening. Yeah, that's what she said in an interview. Is like people don't realize how extensive burns can actually be and how life threatening they actually are, and also like the recovery period of a burn like that. That's not something you are able to get over in a couple weeks. Like she had years of rehabilitation and also like multiple surgeries that she would have to endure and she couldn't do anything for herself she couldn't eat she couldn't talk for a time it was extreme what she was going through while katie was in the hospital fighting to stay alive police were working on arresting those responsible for her attack the entirety of katie's attack had been caught on cctv footage so police knew that it was 19 year old stephen sylvester who threw the acid on katie and shortly after the attack he was arrested During questioning, Sylvester admitted to throwing the acid and said that it was Daniel Lynch who put him up to it. Danny was, of course, also arrested. However, when he was questioned about it, he claimed he was innocent. He had nothing to do with it. Of course he did. Yeah. Why would he start being good now? No. But this is quick. Yeah. This is incredibly quick. So they knew immediately who it was. Mm -hmm. And then this guy immediately rolled. Yeah. And Danny's in custody. Yep. Sounds like maybe within two days. Yeah, just about. Yeah. I I mean, mean, that's 
pretty incredible. Yeah, it was. And I mean, Katie knew that it was Danny behind it. Obviously, she oh, didn't yeah. have evidence, but like, yeah. For, but for him to immediately like implicate him mm-hmm. is... It's good. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. The event sent shockwaves through the UK, pushing the severe issue of acid violence into the public consciousness. The case swiftly became one of the most high-profile acid attacks in the UK, gaining high levels of media attention. Yeah, well, I mean, if she was on TV and in national newspapers, people probably know who she is. At least somewhat. I mean, she hadn't reached any real level of fame at that point, but she was like, you know, a model and an actor and like on TV. I guess I just mean not everyone knows her. She's not like the queen. No. But people, enough people know her. Potentially. Way more than the average person. I mean, and if nothing else, it's just a shocking thing that happened. This young, beautiful woman who did nothing wrong was attacked Mm -hmm. in broad daylight during rush hour in the middle of London. Yeah. And she had acid thrown on her. And she almost died. Yes. Her face was burnt off. Mm. You know, like that's not something that anyone would take lightly yeah her entire face actually had to be removed at the hospital whatever tissue was left was not salvageable so surgeons were taking a pretty drastic approach by using a skin substitute called matroderm to rebuild the foundation of katie's face matroderm is a dermal substitute composed of a bovine collagen and a bovine elastin so it's made from cows basically so it's like leather well, it's not leather. It's like, you know, it's for skin grafting. It's like tissue, okay. but it's it's from cows. Yeah. Interesting. They then grafted one sheet of skin from her back to put on her face. It was the first procedure of its kind to be done in one operation. She said from where your bra strap starts to where her butt cheeks start was taken off her back in one sheet. Oh my God. Yeah. Her hair needed to be shaved and that sheet of skin was then sewn to the top of her head and down her chest. And this is obviously a very serious moment in her story, but Katie thankfully has an incredible recovery. And in an interview later talking about this skin graft, she said her bum is sewn to her face and she is forever talking out of her ass. (laughs) So I just wanted to throw that in there just to lighten the mood just a a little bit. Yeah, but I mean, that just so, shows her sense of humor. I mean, yeah. That's, she seems to be dealing with it. She's able to joke about it. Absolutely. You know? At this point in her life, she's thriving. Yeah. That's hilarious, though. I know, it is. Yeah, I wanted to, th- I wanted to throw that in there just right here because <laughs> we're talking about it. But yeah, it's... And, you know, I'm talking out of my ass without that. Right, so. yeah. Um, but yeah, she's like, I'm literally talking out of my ass all the time, which is just funny. <laughs> During the early stages of her recovery, Katie wasn't able to speak. She could only communicate through writing to her family and to her doctors. She wrote things like, where am I? Am I blind? Am I dead? What happened? I can't breathe. And then it turned to help me and kill me. It was a really dark time for Katie. Once she had gotten that skin graft, the doctors then had to reconstruct all of her facial features. That took a very long time and many surgeries to accomplish. Over time, they rebuilt her top lip, her nostrils were redone with the cartilage from her ears, her eyelids were rebuilt from her groin, the inside of her eyelids, you know, the pink inside of your eye, was rebuilt from the inside of her mouth, like from her cheeks, and the list just goes on from there. The pink inside of her eye? You know, like your your waterline and stuff. Oh, shit. They had to reconstruct everything. Her eyelids? Yeah. Oh, okay. They had to take skin from- under the eyelids, too. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Oh my god. They had to reconstruct everything. So they took like the pink from inside of her cheeks and her mouth and reconstructed like, you know, her eyes. But not her like eyeballs. No. Like literally the skin under her I don't what do you call this? Your eyelid. Your like the skin under your eyelids had to be reconstructed. I mean that that's just well, something just I would have never thought about. Just the entire eyelid. I think the pink part I'm talking about is like the waterline. Like the part that you see in your eye that's pink. Mm. that's what they reconstructed because they wanted it to look as normal as possible right so yeah oh my god i mean her when i say that her entire face was burnt off that's like what it what happened like they had to reconstruct every single part of her i mean yeah i just didn't realize the extent yeah i guess yeah no it's extreme (laughs) like i say that word a lot this episode but it really is yeah i guess that was just more visceral Mm Hmm. it's hard to imagine honestly she said she was basically Mr. Potato Head. That's another <laughs> later on quote, but again, I enjoyed that one. But that wasn't how she left the hospital. She had a long journey ahead of her after the seven weeks that she spent there. And after those seven weeks in the hospital, Katie was finally able to leave. But at that point, she still hadn't seen her face. When the doctor handed her a hand mirror, they told her it would be best if she looked at her face in small sections, since it might be a lot to take in all at once. But Katie wanted to see herself, and she looked at her whole face at once, the first time. When she saw her face for the first time, she thought the mirror must be broken, because what she was looking at couldn't possibly be her face. She started getting angry, because she couldn't believe what she was seeing. The doctor began talking to Katie, but she couldn't even hear what he was saying since she was in so much shock. That was when she realized that what she had seen in the mirror was actually her reflection. Her first feelings, she recalled, was feeling embarrassed that anyone had seen her like that and that they were talking to her while she was looking like that. It had been two months, and that was how she looked. As she held the mirror, she wanted to smack it into her face and tear the whole thing off. After the attack... Katie moved back in with her parents and her sister. Her mother left her full-time job to stay at home to take care of Katie. Her mom sacrificed taking care of herself because Katie was more important to her, is what she said. Katie's sister said it was like having a baby in the house because her mom had to do everything for Katie, and she no longer had a big sister. Everything had changed. She needed help with everything. She even needed to relearn how to do tasks like swallowing and breathing. Katie said, quote, it was quite complex because I suppose when people think of burns, you think of military heroes or burns in the kitchen or fireworks, but I don't think any of us understood the extent of how it affects so many functions and how so many other internal medical problems that we had to educate ourselves on. Katie lost all of her independence, and that was extremely difficult for her, considering how independent she had once been. She loved her family, but she had moved out at 17. She also loved being self-sufficient, but in a matter of seconds, her entire life had been turned upside down and forever changed. She felt very fortunate to have her family at that time, but it didn't make her recovery any less painful or any easier. Other things changed, like Katie no longer makes hot drinks for other people or even for herself because she's very scared of hot liquids. She won't let anyone light candles near her. She keeps her head down when she goes out and she has more medical supplies than she does handbags. She no longer went out with her friends and couldn't work since the attack. She became more comfortable in a hospital than she did in a bar or a nightclub, which, as we know, was a place that she really enjoyed being. 
23 hours a day, she wore a hard plastic pressure mask over her entire face in an effort to flatten her scars and retain moisture. She had to endure painful rehabilitation and over 40 operations. 40? Yeah. That's a lot. And this pressure mask, although it was, you know, good for her scars and like holding them down and, you know, flattening them and keeping moisture in. It's a mask. It was really hard to wear all the time because one, it made her speech kind of impaired like it was hard to talk with it on because it was very hard plastic and two she was not wanting to go anywhere or see anyone or do anything because she was wearing a full like plastic face mask that was pressing down on her face right and then how do you eat well yeah she'd have to water probably take it off i don't know but it, it did have like obviously a mouth hole but it was very hard plastic it wasn't a huge opening yeah but i'm just saying like daily things you have to do all the time yeah complicated She also traveled the world to get the best treatment she could for her scars. As a part of her care from the National Health Service, she was treated at a clinic in South France. The treatment she received there was designed to break down scar tissue and prevent skin contraction. And many of her treatments were extremely painful, and they were not a quick fix. These were things that she would need to continue doing over very long periods of time. Like, for a long time after she got out of the hospital, her parents would have to, like, massage her face and her her neck and her chest which was painful like she had to you know stretch her skin and do specific things that were really uncomfortable they like there was a treatment where she was like sprayed with water i don't know all of them obviously but like these were intense treatments is my point right but the trauma wasn't only physical the psychological damage was equal if not worse one of katie's dreams was to get married and have children and after the attack she felt like she would never have that There had been times when she would see her reflection and she would startle herself. So she thought that if her own reflection was scaring her, then nobody would ever want to be seen with her. She also suffered from nightmares. And one of the most difficult things was feeling like a child again. Not only was she living at home with her parents, but she lost her independence. She needed help with everything and also couldn't work. She also felt like because of her scars, she belonged to Danny, almost. She would always have marks all over her face and body. She would never be the person she was before. She would always have to look into the mirror and be reminded of what happened. So it was just like psychological torture almost on top of the physical damage that she went through. Of course it is. I mean, it's just so much was taken from you. And on top of all of that, what had happened to Katie wasn't an accident. So she had to deal with a long legal battle against her attackers. It wasn't until about a year after her attack that Katie even entertained the idea of leaving the house. It wasn't easy taking those first few steps. When Katie went out in public for the first time, people would stare at her. And even more extreme than that, they reacted by asking her to leave shops, shouting at her in the street, calling her names. Seriously? Yeah. People were really terrible. Wow. Assholes. Well, yeah. She took very small baby steps until she was able to move out of her parents' house and live on her own again in London, which was huge. That was no small feat, you know? Of course. Like, the first time she went out was with her sister to the shopping mall, and she, like, barely interacted with anyone and, like, had a breakdown, like, which is completely understandable. But, yeah, I mean, this was a big step that she was able to move back out again. Yeah, and gain her independence back, or yeah. at least some of it. Yeah, no, she was able to relearn how to, you know, swallow and eat and breathe and talk and be a functioning person again on her own. So it took a long time, but she did it. How long? 
uh, at least like a year or a year and a half maybe after the accident was when she moved out. And she documented the process of her recovery and emotional healing in episodes of a docu-series titled Katie, My Beautiful Face. Because of her experiences, she felt it was important to educate people on the reality of burn recovery. She needed people to understand that she was a normal girl underneath her appearance. She wasn't contagious, and she's got no reason to be rejected from society. It was really important for Katie to find her voice in that, because people's reactions to her appearance aside, she had been dealing with a legal battle about her rape and attack. And that whole trial was built on the idea that Katie was a liar, and what happened to her didn't actually happen. Because she wasn't dealing with the trial of just the acid attack, it was also the fact that Danny had attacked her and raped her in a hotel. So that she was dealing with that legal battle as well as the acid attack. I mean, how much can one person deal with at one time? Yeah, so the point was that because this whole trial about her sexual abuse was about her being a liar, because of course that's going to be the defense, because it's like... Yeah, her word against his. Her word against his, she needed to take that narrative back, and she needed to, like, just tell her story. And that docuseries was, like, a big help to her. She said because of the documentary series, it gave her confidence, and she believes that she progressed further, faster than she might have naturally. Yeah, I guess it's kind of like you have this artifact. You're like, go watch this. We really detailed everything, and I'm not lying. But also, it was a a good marker of her progress. I mean, just for herself. But also, what was really important to her was educating the public on this sort of thing. Because it wasn't, like, widely talked about at that point. Yeah, The other thing I can't imagine going through is that, you know, you walk around and people really can't control their first reaction to you. Yeah. So as good of a person as you might be, if you see somebody, you know, with a kind of deformed face, you know, your first reaction isn't going to be positive. You know, you can just see it in people's faces. It's not voluntary. Right. I mean, even if it isn't that outward, like people's body language, their face, their, like, you know. Yeah. And that's what made it so hard for her in the beginning steps of her recovery. Because, I mean, she's come a long way and she looks amazing now. But like in the beginning of all of this, it was shocking. And, And she, and, you know, her family was encouraging her to go out and to do things and to like, gain her independence back and live a normal life again. But it was really difficult because like you said, people can't always control their first reaction. And in this docu-series, it does show her going out to the mall for the first time with her sister. And it cuts to people like seeing her and they either have like, you know, a wide-eyed kind of like shocked look or they're like giggling to each other or they're pointing. Like people were not great about this. Yeah, I guess... My point about saying that is that even the best people are going to give you a negative reaction. So the people who are assholes are worse, you know, are 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 going to be way worse and they're everywhere. So just literally every time you go out, you're going to have that. And to go from strangers telling you that you're beautiful anywhere that you go to literally everyone having a negative reaction to your appearance has got to be one of the most traumatizing traumatizing and difficult experiences to go through absolutely i I don't know i don't want to like compare anything but that's got to be really hard no but i mean it's very i don't think it's controversial to say that she went through an extremely traumatic experience yeah and i feel like it's it, it has to be harder for a girl to go through this Right. I'm sure it's difficult for anyone. It's, I mean, yeah. it's, it's severe 
deformation of your face like that's not something that any person would have an easy time with you know yeah um but thankfully she did overcome it and she was able to move out of her parents house and rejoin society and not care so much about what people thought about her face or you know whatever and she did come a really long way her plastic surgeon was incredible like the the work he did is amazing so awesome you know she came a really long way and she looks awesome but yeah i mean it, it doesn't diminish the fact that like what she went through is really difficult Danny Lynch was sentenced to two life sentences with a minimum of 16 years. That is an interesting sentence. It is. But I mean, also, it's the UK. So it's not the same as over here. I get it. But what is the point of the two life sentences if you're going to say a minimum of 16? Right. If, like, it if just kind of seems point, weird. He could potentially get out. Like, how is that a life sentence then? Yeah, I, I don't know. It's weird to me to think about a rapist and somebody who kind of ordered this weird hit on somebody an evil person. like oh they're you know they've behaved well yeah for six after the 16 years they're showing good behavior so now they can get out even though their track record is evil <laughs> quite yeah. literally some of the most evil things i could imagine yeah i guess it's just from my vantage point hard to imagine a redemption arc yeah a rehabilitation yeah yeah there's some people that don't necessarily deserve a redemption arc or rehabilitation like yeah, what yeah you I can know, get out it's yeah I agree. it's difficult to make the case on this one yeah you don't like. have to play devil's advocate he shouldn't get out of prison you know like i don't think anyone would disagree with that yeah while passing sentence judge nichols brown said the victim had a face of pure beauty. You, Danny Lynch, and Stefan Silvestri represent the face of pure evil. The facts of this case are chilling and shocking. You planned and then executed an act of pure, calculated, and deliberate evil. You decided to wreck the victim's life by thrusting a full container of sulfuric acid straight into her face from point-blank range. That's you don't even really have to stray from the facts the case. No. You, yeah, there's no reaching here. It's yeah. pure evil. Stefan Sylvester also received a life sentence in 2009 for the acid attack. The court determined that he would be eligible for parole after serving a minimum of six years. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that that sounds short. Yeah, you don't have to go out on a limb. That's It, it seems not hard enough. Yeah, I mean, this was major, major bodily harm and almost, I would say, attempted murder yeah, at a certain point. Kind of, yeah. Yeah, six is short. Mm-hmm. But this is, again, like you just said, a life sentence, one life sentence, right? but six years. I mean, six Minimum. years is not a life sentence. Right. And it seems like, okay, if he doesn't have good behavior, then he'll stay in for as long as his life, but also he might get out. Like the parole board could potentially hear him out on this after six years. Yeah. I'm uncomfortable with the idea of letting a parole board decide the fate of this. Absolutely. Like, I don't know who's on that board. Yeah. Uh, Katie and her family at the time felt like she finally got justice because her attackers had been put away and that was what they were hoping for because they were worried that this, you know, rape charge was going to go under the rug. Like it was not going to be, he wasn't yeah. going to be found guilty. It is hard like when you begin because you, you were saying that it's his word against hers. I mean, obviously he's convicted for this. Right. Um, acid attack. But so they did convict him on that one? Yeah. I mean, he got the two life sentences and 16 years minimum. So his was worse than Stefan Sylvester's. Oh, yeah. I mean, that had to be because he got convicted for that. Because I was like, Stefan actually did it. He ordered it. I don't know if there's some separation. Nope. But... There's no separation. He's equally as bad, if not worse. 
I agree with that, but mm-hmm. I just didn't know if the law was made a distinction there. No, thankfully they were on Katie's side. Yeah. Yeah. In 2018, at the age of 30, after spending nine years in prison, Stefan was released, which Katie Piper described as a very challenging period for her, which is understandable. Of course. Yeah. He was then recalled to prison 13 months later, but then was cleared of taking vehicles without consent, and a parole board said he could go free again in 2020. What a year to go free, but... (laughs) So wait, that's such a weird sentence, recalled to prison? Yeah. Like you just got caught stealing cars? Yeah, it says for taking vehicles without consent. That's like such so a stealing. kind way of saying Grand Theft Auto. Yeah. <laughs> like, are you crazy? <laughs> uh, They're polite over there. Yeah. You know, it's very posh. I guess. On October 10th, 2022, police announced they were urgently searching for Stefan Sylvester, who is currently on the run after being recalled to prison again for breaching the conditions of his, I guess, parole. A probation service spokesman said, we are urgently working with the police to bring the offender back to prison where he'll face longer behind bars. So. Yeah, what, two years? I mean, this is. With his track record, it's like not going to be too long, which sucks. But Daniel Lynch is still currently serving his life sentence in the UK and will not be eligible for parole until 2025. And hopefully he will not get out because that would be awful. Yeah, I mean, the track record is not good. No. Also, it's seeming like Stefan Sylvester, who has gotten out on parole twice now, uh, is not rehabilitated because he keeps doing bad things and keeps going back to prison. So, like, maybe keep him, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Like, maybe take this as a sign and be like, three strikes, you're out kind of thing. Like, serve your life sentence for what it is. Yeah, I mean, how many strikes do you get? Uh, Apparently a lot. But that's enough about them. I've had enough. Yeah. Yeah. I had enough yesterday. Yeah, me too. After over 40 surgeries on her face, eyes, and chest, and prolonged treatments, Katie finally feels confident again. She never regained sight in her left eye, even after corneal transplants and stem cell transplants and a bunch of other surgeries. She also had to go through years of wearing the plastic pressure mask that I mentioned, and she and her family had to take care of her burn scars nonstop for the best results. She will always have scars and never look exactly as she did before the attack, but she has come so far, and her doctors did an incredible job, like I said. But despite everything, Katie Piper's narrative is not one marked by victimhood. Instead, it traces a path defined by courage, resilience, and an unwavering determination to turn a personal tragedy into a force of societal change. She hasn't let the attack define her. Something she said that really resonated with me was, trauma is a fact of life, but it needn't be a life sentence. Yeah, that's a good quote. Yeah. Not only did she find the documentary series she did extremely helpful for herself in gaining confidence and putting herself out there, but it also inspired her to help other people struggling with similar issues as hers. Katie Piper is now a best-selling international author, inspirational speaker, TV presenter, and charity founder. Katie established the charity the Katie Piper Foundation in 2012, aimed at raising awareness of the plight of victims of burns and other disfigurement injuries. It forms a significant part of Katie's activism against acid violence. This group works relentlessly to ensure that the life potential of survivors is not limited by their visible and invisible scars. They picture a world where scars do not inhibit a person's function, societal inclusion, or overall sense of well-being. Through the foundation, Katie has led various awareness campaigns and lobbied for more dedicated resources and research focusing on burns and scar management. 
Simon Cowell actually helped her form the foundation, uh, which is pretty cool. And I, I actually loved hearing about how Simon Cowell got involved because he had gotten in touch with Katie after her 2010 documentary and offered her a job as a runner at his production company. So he saw the documentary and was like, hey, do you want a job? And What's a runner? It's like a behind the scenes person. Oh, okay. Yeah. And according to her, the old Katie would have jumped on that opportunity. It would have been a chance to get into television and work with one of the most famous people. And that was what she loved doing. But she knew that it wasn't going to be fulfilling after everything she had been through. So she talked to Simon Cowell and said that she didn't want to do that. But she did want to start her foundation. She wanted to sponsor other people to get the amazing treatment she had and set up a community and change things for burn survivors. So he was like, yeah, let's do it. Wow. Isn't that cool? That's crazy. I mean, this is the ultimate example of asking you shall receive. Yeah. You know? Yeah. He's like, hey, do you want to be a runner on my production company? And, and she was like, like no. no, but I do want you to support me in making this foundation. And he was like, yeah, let's do it. That's really cool. I know. And that became her passion. And in her words, selfishly, it helped her make sense of everything when she wasn't coping well. It gave her a reason not to give up, which is not selfish at all. But that was what she said. Through her work, she was able to meet and change the lives of so many people like her and meet like-minded people. And she became fascinated with the medical side of things and did lots of research behind it. She said, quote, taking back that empowerment and having that voice became very important to me. We are the captain of our own ship. Your life is ultimately in your hands. What a privilege to find your purpose at 24. Wow. That's a great perspective. Yeah. She's got a really awesome perspective on everything. She also used her voice to demand change on a governmental level. She demanded to reduce accessibility and the sale of corrosive substances, which seems like a no-brainer to me, and said it's absolutely crucial to reducing acid attacks, which is increasing at an alarming rate. She was also working on sentencing, legislation, funding, and increased regulation. I've never thought about, like, access to acid. Right? You know? Yeah, why would... Would never enter my consciousness. The general public have access to acid. Well, like, I'm thinking... Because I worked at a hardware, like, if you have a... Like, Drano. Oh, sure. Drano's acid. Oh, okay. Like, or... Actually, I'm not sure. It's, like, corrosive. Yeah. I don't know if it's a base or acid, but... I mean, that makes sense. Yeah, the point is, like, I could go down the aisle and go buy hydrofluoric acid with no i don't i don't actually know if they even check your id what but you can just go buy acid that's crazy yeah and what about sulfuric acid like what is where do you even get that i don't know I, you might be able to find it at like a hardware i well, don't know it what it's because like, like there's i'm sure there's some applications like drain clog removal and shit like yeah. that or like a science teacher maybe <laughs> like yeah i don't but know like the science chemicals i feel like are maybe more regulated but yeah yeah, I mean, you could walk into any hardware and get, like, a very corrosive substance. No problem. Like, I guess that makes sense, but also it's really scary. I don't know. I guess it's just, like, crazy people will do crazy, crazy things. Crazy people are scary. I yeah. mean, if it's not acid, they'll figure out something else. Yeah, I, I mean, like. it's not like you can regulate, like, gasoline, you know? Because, like we mentioned earlier... You gotta earlier, be able to buy gas. Just, yeah, like we mentioned earlier, Donna Vulin was set on fire. And I'm yeah. pretty, I'm, if I could be remembering this wrong, but I'm pretty sure it was like someone threw gasoline on her and lit her on fire. So like, I guess the scary part is just the crazy people, but good on her for trying to make this stuff more regulated because that's a start, you know? Yeah. I mean, you got to do something, mm-hmm. right? 
In May of 2018, Katie filmed Famous and Fighting Crime for Channel 4, a show in which celebrities get a taste of life as an emergency service worker. Katie also appeared on Daytime... Wait, what? <laughs> I don't know. Can you say that again? It so seems like, like celebrities uh, get a taste of working as an emergency service worker. So like celebrities... Yeah, celebrities work as an EMT. Yeah, or, or this like This seems insane. Like a really interesting concept. Yeah, no, I don't... this seems insane. So you're going to take tom cruise who said no medical training and be like here you're an emt go today help someone go like sure see the most fucked up things and probably, then sit there and just like talk it's probably like fake scenarios or they're just like so. watching a person do it i don't know anyway that's not Dude, my point if i got hit by a car and tom cruise shows up with a camera crew It'd be pretty cool no what the fuck <laughs> get somebody who knows what they're doing no i, I mean obviously i agree with yeah. you but like okay my point I was to, i'm sorry i had to stop and this is insane i understand it's a crazy concept my point was is that katie is now again on television she's back in front of the camera living out her dreams post acid attack and we love that and we and, love it and to be clear katie can do that yeah tom cruise cannot okay fine okay Katie has also appeared on This Morning and Loose Women, which is like a talk show, I think. She also presented on the Channel 4 show Body Shockers and Never Seen a Doctor. And in April of 2017, Katie launched her own Channel 4 show called Face to Face, featuring other acid attack survivors and people with skin conditions. She was also announced as the first official contestant on Strictly Come Dancing in 2019, which seems like Dancing with the Stars kind of thing. Okay, but I mean, really good for her. I mean, heck yeah, she got her own TV show on mm -hmm. Channel 4. Multiple. Awesome. Yeah, she's... Oh, she got multiple. Well, she's like on multiple shows, and well, I guess I know, she has but, her own. Yeah, she has her own show. Mm -hmm. It's a pretty big deal. In spring of 2018, she toured the country with her theater show, What's in My Head, to share her inspirational story. And she, she has, has a theater show? Yeah, and she has written many books, including Beautiful, Beautiful Ever After, Confidence, Things Get Better, and From Mother to Daughter. Okay, so what hasn't she done? When I'm telling you she's <laughs> a boss, I mean she's a boss. Like, she is a CEO. She's very industrious. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is crazy. She and has been on multiple TV shows. She has her own TV show, three or four books? Yeah, and, and, theater and get this one. Tour. She was awarded with an OBE award by Princess Anne at Windsor Castle in the Queen's New Year's Honors List in recognition of her services to charity and burn survivors. This is like a very high honor. She was awarded by the queen, basically. Anne's not the queen. Let's be very honest. You said princess. How big of a deal is it really? Very big. It's a very big deal. <laughs> Huge deal. Wait. Yeah. Katie, I mean, good for her. I mean, this is just the cherry on top of all of the amazing stuff she's done. It's a pretty sizable cherry. That's sick. That's amazing. A jewel on top? I don't know. Yeah, like a ruby on top. How about that? Katie now has her own breakfast show on ITV, which began on Sunday, August 6th, 2022. So, killing it. Katie's decision to share her story across various media outlets has successfully drawn attention to the realities of acid attacks. And on top of being an absolute star, not only overcoming her incident, but thriving, she also found love and had children. Oh, that's amazing. Good for her. Yeah. She had her first child, Belle Elizabeth, in 2014 and married her partner, Richard James Sutton, in 2015. And the couple had their second child, Penelope Diane, in 2017. So her dream of having a husband and children came true. She's very happy. And I have a, one last quote 
She said, it sounds like a very horrific story, but actually what this story is, is one of hope. Not just hope for me, but hope for all of us, because the way I survived this is obviously a huge credit to the medical professionals and psychologists that supported me, but one of the ways I survived this was by relying on the most powerful muscle in the human body, which is the mind. The mind can be a desperate, dark prison, but it can also be a tower of strength. Interesting. I like that. So she was like, yeah, your worst enemy can actually be your biggest asset. Yeah. She is one of the most inspirational people yeah. I think we've ever talked about. Yeah, if she went on, or if she became a motivational speaker, she is. I would okay. I would listen to her. <laughs> yeah, you know, she's also like she's walked the walk, dude. Yeah, she's also. Um, I looked at her Instagram. She's got over a million followers, and yeah. she's like very much in the public eye. Like she's on multiple television shows, and like at this point, not just an influencer, but like kind of like she's you know got a lot of followers and doing brand deals and stuff so she's sweet a boss babe what kind know? of brand deals is she pulling in she's doing like better help ads <laughs> i don't know i don't know which ones but uh yeah i mean she's she's working she's doing amazing good for her man this does feel like one of the best recovery arcs that we've ever told yeah she's incredible yeah so i think it's very safe to say that we all wish katie piper nothing but the best because uh she deserves it you know yeah 100 percent the story also feels way longer than we've been recording. Just so much happened. She was riding high and then this shit happened. And then the recovery was so long. Multiple surgeries. Then she has to go through multiple court cases. Mm -hmm. Kind of get back on her feet. And then she starts a charity with Simon Cowell. Yeah, it's really incredible. Goes on TV shows, gets her own show. Yeah, multiple books. Multiple books. Yeah. She gets married, has kids. Thank you for the recap. She has like a, I mean, <laughs> this this is like, this is why it feels so long though, yeah. right? I mean, no, it's just it, like, you're right. I'm still stunned. Mm -hmm. by yeah, it's impressive, if nothing else. Inspirational, impressive, unbelievable, amazing. All right, Lady Insert Gaga. word here. Yeah, <laughs> never been seen before. <laughs> Incredible, amazing. Uh, no, but that's how I feel. Like it's, it's awesome. Yeah. Um, I'll quit droning on. Okay. What's your good thing? Um, my good thing is that I think I'm going to take up hand embroidery once again. I've taken a very long hiatus from hand embroidery, but it was something that I really enjoyed. And I am, I'm feeling very artsy right now. I'm feeling very mm -hmm. crafty. Uh, we have plans to paint this weekend and I've got big plans for that. We so do. I'm I'm like really itching to get back into hand embroidery and like create things. You're itching for a stitching. Uh, thank Boom. you. That's very good. I am really just aging into being a dad so gracefully. This, well, okay. First of all, I'm not pregnant. <laughs> I mean, no, okay. Yeah. I mean, in the cultural sense. No, no, for sure. But also tonight when we were sitting down for dinner, I like made soup or whatever. And Alex sits down at the table and he goes, <laughs> just made the <laughs> biggest. I was like, okay, dad noise. What the hell? But yeah, no, you're right. You're definitely falling right into uh, older energy, which is it's exactly is cool. where I've been all my life. Really. Yeah, no, it's cool. Um, what's your good thing? My good thing is that Michigan beat Ohio State in football. Oh, sure. Okay. Go blue. Go blue. I mean, this is the one game that I just really care about. It's the only game. Year. It's the only game. It is the game. Yeah. And we won yeah. again, third year in a row. This is kind of far removed from the game, but... I know. It, it happened a, a while ago, but it's my good thing. It just brings me so much joy. 
yeah when we win because when we went to school all four years we lost yeah. and i was at every single game and it was 30 degrees and you would sit there for hours and to watch lose. and lose yeah womp yeah womp. so but we I won that's my good thing love your good thing anyways thank you guys so much for listening check out our merch it is live if you wanted to get some merch for the holiday christmas hanukkah holiday time make sure to place your order i think before december 10th because they need time to ship they be shipping and i will say that my friends have gotten their hoodies and they have said that they are very soft on the inside and very comfortable and i can agree they rock and i love the hats and the tote bags go check it out for yourself not today podcast.myshopify.com you know what's up check it out i mean i've also gotten the hoodie and i can verify very soft very stylish and yes. we did a photo shoot and it was sick yeah so. that's that is 100 percent the first photo shoot i've ever done it was fun but it was fun we got some cool like uh candidates of you like having a very surprised face when i'm about to like drop you <laughs> yeah well we had a photo where i was on alex's back and uh he almost dropped me a couple times so i have i have some of those if uh <laughs> i can i can post them on the close friends list or something at some yeah, point throw them up on the patreon yeah, i'll give a, an exclusive to the patrons but anyway thank you guys so much for listening if you would like to look at all the pictures we post of all the stories we talk about check us out on instagram at not today underscore podcast check out our patreon for a bunch of bonus episodes one's coming out really soon that's patreon.com slash not today podcast if you or anyone you know has a story of survival or something crazy that's happened to them and you'd like to share it with us and possibly hear it on an upcoming listeners episode send it to no today podcast at gmail.com we have a tiktok that is not today podcast and a twitter that is not today podcast but the t on the end of podcast is a three because that makes sense and just keep breathing yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs>